you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Locked On Indians podcast. I am Jeff Ellis. I am here with my weekly co-host, Pat. Uh, I want to take a second before we get into the show and do maybe some breaking news. It's not official yet, but uh, this Sunday is the MLB draft. For those, if you listen to the podcast, you know my background with it. I'm not going to dive into all of that. We're going to do a live stream, so keep that out there. If you want an alternative to the MLB stream, we're going to be doing one. I'm going to be joining with Aram from the Locked On Prospects. We're going to set up and get some guests in the lake. It's going to start at 645 Eastern time on Sunday. So it's going to be a live video stream uh, occurring. So just mark that down, check that out. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And if you're interested in the draft and if you're a fan of the things I do, I imagine you have at least a passing interest. If nothing else, I guarantee you we will be giving just as good a coverage as the TV broadcast when the Indians pick happens. So if you're just interested in that, uh, I'll have links to follow in my Twitter. Uh, sorry, now that I got the business out of the way of a little bit of hype there. Pat, thanks for joining me this week. How are you feeling? I'm um, feeling good. Thank you for having me. Um, good to be here again, you know, talk baseball. And, you know, get back into so many things, even when the team isn't really doing that well. Yes, it's for those who are not paying the closest attention. They've lost, I believe, 12 of 13 and are on a nine-game losing streak. Uh, it's a team, you know, definitely today was an emotional day. Uh, Twitter was running very hot uh, in addition to those struggles. Technically, it is their third time they've been no hit this year. I know it's only a seven-inning affair, so it doesn't count count. So I guess technically it's not the third time. Uh, they've been no hit this year, but uh, it's for my money, if they the game ends and you've been no hit, then you were no hit. So it's the third time the Indians got no hit this year. Uh, they are, you know, they're beat up, and that goes without saying. Starting pitching in particular uh, has been a big issue when you look at the way things go. Yes, you know, they, they should not have lost the game on Monday. That was, you can listen to the podcast. Uh, a whole bunch of things happened, including... You know, uh, giving a bonus strike to someone who knocked in the tying run. But even when you go beyond that, they've had a lot of close games where if they had a, a regular starter in there, uh, you know, JC Mejia has done his best, but this is a kid. Maybe you'll remember Pat. I'm not sure if he had never, if he'd even been to high A before this year. They've thrown him in the deep end. There are a lot of issues with the starting pitching. And I know you're saying they got no hit. What about the offense? I don't think the, I know people are going to get mad at me at this. I still don't think this offense is quite as bad as everyone wants to paint it to be. What What's your view on that, Pat? It's not. Um, the offense has actually been a part of this team. That's actually been what offense in the bull, well, the bullpen's been the best facet of the team. But uh, hitting has been the second best. And it's not, well, the hitting hasn't been exactly spectacular, but it's been better in. It was definitely better than last year, but I mean, I'm really tired of people bringing up last year because last year was a 60 game sample size with where people were unsustainably good, unsustainably bad, and yeah, it's just kind of hard to just cite just using last year's data for measuring this group of players. I feel like um, 
offensively, the Indians are average. And I feel like a lot of people think that's a reach, but that's not really a reach. And when you look at just a group of position players that they have, they have a lot of talented young players or just young players who are getting their first stint in the major leagues. And you can say that about all three facets of this team, and that's why. And they're, and they're still being 500 with being ravaged by injuries in the midst of being the youngest team in the majors. Um, I'll, I'll take that. I feel like a lot of people were expecting the team to be a playoff team this year. And while I think the team could could be a playoff team on paper, I don't. This is developmental year, and I feel like we should not be looking at this year as a failure if this team doesn't make the playoffs. We should be looking at this year as a year where we can kind of um, see who guys are and figure out what to do with certain people. Now, there, you know, there's definitely an upper tier of offensive bats, but just to give kind of like a stat line basis, Cleveland is currently 27th in team runs created plus uh, with an 87 overall score. So fourth from the bottom, but they're at an 87. St. Louis is one above them at an 88, two above them, Kansas City and Miami at 89s. You have four teams tied at 90. They're very close to being in the, I mean, they're still the average. bottom 10, but they're very close average. to being in the, you know, the, the top Average-ish. of that third. Yeah, very. I mean, the average score, if you're looking at 15, is a 98. So they're a little bit below that. Uh, but they're not, we can't just blame the pitching entirely there. And, and to go with this team right now, if we just run through on a very loose level, position by position, we know that, I think you'd agree with me, catching, it's not great. Uh, defensively, it is. And that is something the Indians are focused on. Like, Honestly, they're in a world think, where that matters Perez, more. Yeah, I think Perez and Hedges is the best. It's the backs up duo in baseball. Agreed. And, no, I, and go ahead. It's offers to have them um, kind of in the era of a young pitching staff. A very young pitching staff is very, very valuable. Yeah, they put a lot of value Perez there. I've seen do it, but And I feel like the Indians putting value there with how good they've been at developing is very worthwhile um, and very it should be respected yeah they they have a type and defensive catchers are definitely something they focus on i see a lot of people trying to like mock trades with the indians getting a catcher from a team that has catching depth like toronto where cleveland trades like an arm like that's just not going to happen the indians don't want your substandard defender catcher uh, that's not how they operate so I think they're comfortable there. I will say at the same time, I wouldn't be shocked if at the end of this year, Perez's option isn't picked up and Hedges is uh, not given arbitration just because of escalating contracts. I don't think necessarily performance, but I, I will say that they feel like they could. And with Hedges, I could almost see them deciding to decline his arbitration and then signing him to a, a cheaper contract, same possibly with Perez. Uh because just like the White Sox did with Carlos Rondon, like I wouldn't be shocked to see either of those things occur at that position. No, I feel like just to follow up on your point, I feel like many people kind of don't understand how difficult it is to be a catcher at professional baseball, let alone even make it to the majors. And just, just, just a standard for the position in general, and not just the standards, but in combination with the attrition rate, just based on. Just what the position does to people's bodies physically as well. Um, I, I, I've said this so many times, but I just feel like people just don't understand for real, or have enough respect. No, I agree. 
continuing just talking positions because I think it's it's valuable to go through and discuss this lineup. First base, um, yeah, Bobby Bradley isn't doing what he did when he first came up, but no human is going to do what he did when he first came up. I think at this point in time, he's earned the rest of the season. Uh, that's he's my still quick take. He's still walking, and that's one thing we he's really improved at this year. I feel like, and he's also um. His approach, he's spreading, he's taking the ball out of the way a little bit more, which is good for someone who's the strongest him because it's not going to lead to a decrease in power. Yeah, I think he's, like I said, he's earned the opportunity to keep going. Yeah, he's shown some development in this approach. Mm-hmm. He's hitting, and even in the field, he looks better and he looks, he just looks a lot more smoother and agile and faster, more athletic, and it's paying off. It is interesting to like go back to a long time. Like, I was watching the game like, Monday, maybe where he like goes down in the splits and it just reminds me of, you know, back in January, uh, December on the podcast, I had Adam Lieberman who used to be the media relations player for the player uh, guy for the rubber ducks. I remember him just talking about Bobby's growth as a defender and how he was turning into a league average defender in his eyes. Now, not everyone agreed with that take, but it was interesting to see that. And Adam would often be a great source of information of just, he watched every single game. Uh, he had been around baseball since the the late nineties and you do kind of see that with Bob, like you see Bobby do those moves. Like when he does kind of go into the split or when he does do that extension where maybe he doesn't move the best there, but he does enough to where it's going to catch your eye and he's constantly trying. I think that's the important thing. And what you talked about as well, you know, the walk rate being sustained. I mean, the strikeout rate is under 30%. Uh, I expected it to be over 30. If I'm being honest, I think that's, you know, he's, He's being a little more patient in general. And I think that's a big reason why he has been so successful. I mean, right now, looking at his data, very small sample size, 100 plate appearances, but his runs created plus is the highest it's been since he was in A ball. Like, this is better than he has played for a stretch in any level. And I think a lot of that just goes to Bobby Bradley being Bobby Bradley and that person who has always put in the time. Yeah, definitely. Um, my history. Um, closely observing the farm system and the players in it to the level where I can talk about makeup isn't that isn't that long but one day I can remember calling listening to you listening to Justin uh, and he's just an insider um, reading Scott's reports and stuff was that Bobby Bradley's makeup was always good and and he's always talked him up on the makeup side too and you know with how many times you came to camp um, with gaining muscle or trying to lose weight and, you know, it didn't work for him in the past few seasons, you know. Um, whenever they get to spring training, best shape of your life still out, you know, um, when there's no other baseball content to publish. Um, yeah, it's going to be at least four per It's kind of cool. To, yeah, it's kind of cool to see that come full circle for Bobby Bradley also because I've been one of his biggest critics. Uh, I thought he was a, a human windmill um, who was going to strike out over 40% no matter what. Um, and he's proven me wrong, and I'm glad he crow. Um, if that's the case, um, I'm, I'm I'm fine with that. I also like it from just a regional perspective. Uh, you know, he's. I, I want to say this is. We'll see if my memory is good or not. I want to say he's from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, uh, and it stands out specifically Mississippi because you will read even now because I'm I'm deep in the draft. <laughs> People I, with the intro should know that a lot of people still in their reports or, you know, when I go and I compare my lists against the bigger names in the industry, 
they'll still comment on like, oh, the checkered history of Mississippi high school players being drafted and their success. So it's just from that regard of, I also like to see he's, he's overcoming. He, he had a, a strike against him just from where he played. So I, I also like to see that, that just to see the player who, I don't know whose report I, off the top of my head I was reading last night, but I saw that. I literally saw the words and I was doing a compare, uh, just kind of comparing my views against others on players. I saw someone write about like, well, Mississippi high school players. And I'm like, well, Bobby Bradley, Billy Hamilton, there are guys trying to uh, to change that perspective for sure. It's time for an oh-so-quick sponsor break. Our first sponsor today that I want to tell you about is Fully Loaded Chew. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that give you the same uh, pack, dip, spit, and buzz you're used to without tobacco. Available in nine flavors, Fully Loaded Chew is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine. I gotta tell you, I mean, it's not something I've ever done, but it does make me intrigued to go check it out when I've seen nine flavors. It's, uh, I don't know, for whatever reason in anything, when I see a bunch of flavors, I get interested. If If it's your thing, you know, Go over to Fully Loaded Chew. It's the only moist nicotine pouch on the market. All our nicotine pouches are dry white pouches. Nothing dips, spits, and packs like Fully Loaded Chew. And right now, we're offering all of our listeners over here on the MLB Network a special offer. You can try a can for just a dollar. I know that all tobacco products are extremely expensive, so that's one heck of a deal. If this is for you, you definitely want to go check it out. A can for a buck. Can't get any nicotine product for a dollar. Go to FullyLoadedChew.com. And use the promo code locked on. Just a dollar, and you get free shipping if you use the code locked on at checkout. Next time you go for a dip, make it fully loaded chew at fullyloadedchew.com. Other fantastic sponsor today is Rock Auto. I I don't know what more to say. I have talked about Rock Auto for so many moments of my lifetime. You have listened to me talk about Rock Auto for so many moments of your lifetime. You can probably tell me right by now about rock auto if you've been listening to this show for a long time they've been in business for 20 years american-owned company they allow you to pick the parts you want pick the brand pick you know the company normally when you go and you find uh you go to the auto parts store they're going to pick the brand for you they're going to give you their price no no now you have the control you are in the driver's seat pun intended when you do shopping for your car you pick brands you pick models you find the part and piece that is the right price and then they send it to you thanks to having that one central location they cut down on the overall price and pass that consumer on to you because they know that they want they need to have the best deals to get your business they are motivated to sell you at the best price possible go check out rockauto.com today and make sure in the how to hear about us box locked on locked on mlb locked on indians with jeff ellis whatever you want to do some form of locked on to let them know that their advertising money is well spent and that it was thanks to that advertising money that you went to rockauto.com and ordered the part you need for your car. Remember, it could be big or small. doesn't matter. Rock Auto's got you covered. Uh, as we continue moving through here, second base, uh, Cesar Hernandez, he is a player where, uh, yeah, on yesterday's show, I talked about Adam Frazier, where... By, he's the same player he was a year ago. He's just very lucky versus very unlucky. When you look at bat pip, the counter for that is Cesar Hernandez, who had a 364 bat pip last year, 250 right now. And that's how you go from 110 runs created plus to a 93. 
His slugging percentage is identical to a year ago. His on-base percentage is down 50 points, but his average is down 60 points. What does that come down to? It's the bat pip. So he's not, you know, through his career, he's been, he's been a 270 hitter. So when he hit 280 last year, it was kind of in line. He's been unlucky. You go and you look at the numbers and it seems to show it is interesting that the 408 slugging is not the high of his career, even though he is one home run away from breaking his, uh, tying his uh, single season home run uh, record for him because the the doubles and some of the other things are are lower for him than in years past. I believe last year he led all of uh, the American League in doubles, if memory serves. My question is with Cesar, if you're running this team, Pat, I, I make you my GM, do you sell low? Do you just play out the year because you do have that cheap option? Or do you see if there's a team like maybe the Angels who aren't that far back and could use uh, you know, they have someone like David Fletcher. They could move to another position. They could arrange things. Do you do you try to get like a, we know the 40 man's a ridiculous issue. Do you try to get a guy who's just a lotto ticket who doesn't affect your 40 man in the off season? Do you do, uh, if you're trading him to a contender, you're not going to get anything that really is likely to help now. What do you do with Cesar? I'm definitely keeping him. And, um, just need have an option for next year too. Yeah. It's like five or six million. So that's the thing. It's, it's a very cheap option. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to keep him and pick him pick it up just based on what he's shown this season even with the bad luck he's still being a productive hitter he's still playing good defense he's still mm. running the bases pretty well um, i don't I think don't really there's an it. incorrect answer uh, that's my general I, I mean, view it, i i could go I, either I way that, but i think i feel like but i respect just, your view i feel like selling low on him now is kind of bad because teams can use the service level stats as leverage against you i just feel like you can get a good package back for him if you kind of wait till next year if he has a really hot second half that can jump his trade value in the offseason if someone needs a second baseman yeah no i agree you got the cheap year and he's under control i mean like i said i i don't have a strong opinion i threw it out there because it's his name's going to come up and i just don't know what what he nets right now i think I mean, for me when you look at the trade i don't know if he really nets you a whole bunch and i know people are like we got to see what owen miller can do in the like but it's I I'm I'm not in a rush to necessarily push up all the middle infield prospects, uh, but yeah, I I can understand, you know, why people I, I can understand both sides very easily on this. I I can too. Um, so I absolutely agree, but I feel like how can I say this? This team is so good at trades like this with trading players like Cesar Hernandez that I feel like. Selling low is a, is a waste of a big opportunity for the team to kind of put another notch on the belt, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. It's uh, I know sometimes you listen to me in the off season. If you did, I'm so I'm sure you heard me. It's that it was my defense to not trade a Med Rosario. The low point of value that, uh, and that's not what they seem. So, yeah, uh, Med, my clumsy uh, transition here. He's at shortstop. He had a great May. He had more of an average June, but still, he's uh, he's an intriguing athlete. My only question here is, every time I bring him up, people tell me that, well, maybe he should get be considered a trade asset because he is arbitration eligible. He will get more expensive uh, starting this offseason. And he's only got like one more year of control than Jose Ramirez. So he's got like three years after this year instead of two. So I thought that he could be an extension candidate. Uh, what do you do with Ahmed? Do you, uh, you know, what's your view on him overall? 
I feel like I, I would not want to trade him. I understand the logic of some people presenting that. But to me, he seems like the exact player you want to give that extension offer to because he's nearing the nearing that free agent phase. He's had that one down year. He's still not defined in terms of his position. Uh, that's still something he can grow on. He's He seems like, to me at least, exactly kind of the perfect player to reach that extension, buy out a few years of free agency, and potentially uh, get a player on the rise. Um, I definitely would wait and pay close attention to his second half of the season in order to see about extension. Especially since he's only 25, 26 years old. Like, he's still young, even though he's a veteran. Um, very athletic. Um, they add some versatility with the center field, and I was still making a possibility with him doing that in the offseason because I still don't think he's a full-time shortstop just based on the glove quality and the uh, options you have at you got other options you have at shortstop for Cleveland Indians personal as an individual team. Um, I, I I just I I would definitely think he's a candidate, but I don't think trading him right now makes sense. I really don't think trading anybody right now makes sense. I would just kind of hold hold my hand. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, it, if it, I do make any trades, it's not going to be. I don't think it'll be anybody on the twenty five man roster. I think it'll be the just to kind of loosen up the, the jam of prospects I have in order, or maybe a combination of both in order to make a move for a long-term move for a good young player or something and simultaneously free up space for my other good players in the minors also. So the one player I would be more inclined to trade, we'll, we'll come back. I mean, I don't think we have to discuss third base. <laughs> you know, some people are like, oh, do we trade Jose now? You know, no, I put on Twitter no. and you don't trade he, him now because- Yes, he has, he has too much value. Yes, has too, he has much, too much value. And if you move him now, you're going to make that 40 man crunch even worse. Like you're going to right. get multiple assets. It, it, it doesn't and even he, make sense I mean, to consider moving to trade him Jose now, January first. To trade Jose now, you'd have to get, I mean, in order to get a, a regional package back, you'd have to get like two good young major league players, three yeah, top I, 100 prospects, and another like three prospects that are also really good, but may not be top 100 guys, but are still maybe I, top 10 guys in the system. And, yeah, it just system. it doesn't make sense, and I saw people it, going back to that because it's the first thing when a team plays it, bad, let's punt it. But it's like, no, he's it's too much capital. It's just too much capital. It's and it's, it's almost like you said, it's going to be like five to six pieces. Inevitably, three of those pieces are likely because you want pieces that are close to the big league. So you want those players who need to be added to your forty man, and they're already under such a crunch that like you could trade for Jose, and then it's going to cost you prospects to trade him. Because you're acquiring so many prospects that now you're going to have to expose. It's just swap prospects, yeah. In addition, so swapping major league players, yeah. Because you're not going to trade him. Yes, you, you know. It's like I think about the Pirates with like Brian Reynolds would be like one of the players that you would get. You know, it's like who is the young players with the years of control who are looking like potential all stars? Because that's essentially what it's going to be. I mean, he has been that good. And so top it's prospects, like, yeah. And then those prospects, and those prospects aren't going to be like a lot of tickets in in the rookie league. You're looking at guys in the upper minors for a lot of them, which again just makes that crunch even worse. Uh, so yeah, we're both. He's he's amazing. He's the greatest third baseman of my lifetime. I don't really think there's anyone who competes with that. Uh, and the trade and, it will be like a it will be like a twelve player trade, and I'm not even joking. Yeah, it's it's got to be high. He's he's so good. So the Indians are, you know, we're, we're not really going to go into the game today uh, too much, but uh, the Indians are 
losers of nine in a row. Question is, does Bet Online think the Indians will be losers of ten in a row when they face the Royals? We go over to betonline.ag as we do daily. Say so one of our consistent sponsors of the show. And let's look at the line. Let's see what the line is for tomorrow's matchup. Danny Duffy on the mound for the Royals. Zach Plesak on the mound for the Indians. You know, we talked about this. There's been a few times this week. Again, uh, the Indians are favored. The run is going to the Royals. The run and a half is to the Royals. Plesak on the mound. Uh, BetOnline.ag has faith in your Cleveland Indians. They think that the Indians are going to break this losing streak tomorrow against the Royals. If you disagree with that take, go over to BetOnline.ag. And if you agree with that take, do the same. Go there and remember to use that promo code Locked On to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. It's free extra money to play with there. Go to betonline.ag, promo code locked on. Check it out for yourself. Not just sports. We've talked about it. They have live betting, casinos, live casino, race book, poker. Whatever you want, they're going to have it. Go check it out for yourself. That is betonline.ag. Remember, the promo code is locked on. Uh, but to move to the outfield. So the one player I would consider shopping and trading uh, is Eddie Rosario. He has, you know, it's a one-year deal. There is no tomorrow with him. He's been, he, ha- he hasn't been good. He hasn't been terrible. He's been below average, uh, just a step low. And the problem with Nettie Rosario is he's never been a great defender. Uh, he does have that strong arm, and he has some good, like, side athletic profile stuff with him. But when the bat isn't there uh, and you're having your, uh, and it's a one-year rental and the glove was never there, if a team's willing to give you something, uh, I'm, that is the one player where, you know, if we're talking about this outfield and the people playing every day, I'm willing to move on from Eddie and, and go ahead and let, you know, uh, I wish they were letting Nolan Jones play some more outfield or give Daniel Johnson a real look, you know, it's some combination of those young players. I have a mod Rosario. I mean, Ahmad, Ahmed Rosario played some outfield with the Mets in the corners. Maybe have him play a little bit more in a corner outfield spot and call Jimenez back up. I know you said you weren't necessarily the biggest on trades, but what are your thoughts about that? I'm not compelled at all, to be honest with you. I'm sorry to be kind of deflating. Um, no, it's totally fine. It's it's better for the podcast, honestly, if we don't always agree. I, so so tell me, you know, why you think uh why you're in for keeping him for the year. I just don't think he has any value. I mean, maybe I, I mean I guess if you want to just loosen up the room and see what your other young outfielders do, like I could definitely definitely like to see Daniel Johnson get more playing time. I definitely like to see open up off of spot lead to leading to Owen Miller and Ernie Clement getting more playing time. Um, it's I don't this is such a weird year. This this team is just in a weird spot. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's kinda of in a good way, but they just have a lot of Important decisions to make, and it'll be very interesting to see how they kind of navigate this next two years because they can create a dynasty out of this current predicament where they can kind of crash and burn and kind of just be mediocre. Fair enough. Yeah, it's. I mean, I agree. There's not much value there. It's uh, the best they may be able to hope for is just not paying the rest of his four million dollars owed money, which unless they're going to take that money and reinvest in the team. <laughs> you know, it's not like that brings whole, a whole bunch to the table. Uh, moving on to center field. I think we'll see more Oscar Mercado there. Uh, Bradley Zimmer. He's looked okay. He's looked okay. Is it time to just... I mean, 
I think to say goodbye to Bradley Zimmer. I mean, I've seen some some people out there stat wise and everything else where it's. I mean, he just he's looked like the injuries have sapped him. Yeah, but he's yeah, that's true. He just doesn't look as like explosive or electric, even though the eye test he was still looks okay. He was, uh, you know, before God back to 2019. I just he looked like Kevin Kiermeyer, like the ground that dude could cover and what he could get to. And it's not to say he's a bad defender in center field. I think he still might be the best of the group, but I just I don't know if he, I don't know if there's enough there for him to be a, a starter for this team. I'm trying to pull up his baseball savant data, and baseball savant's being very slow right now. But what's your take on center field? Well, my computer chugs along. Um, I like Mercado on center field, but I also like him at Rosario on center field. I feel like he, putting him there was kind of worthwhile, um, just kind of based on. His athleticism and how he could play there, but honestly, um, I, I think Mercado should be there right now since the Mets has to play shortstop unless they decide to call up Andres Jimenez or Gabriel Rice, um, which probably won't happen until maybe July or August. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think I think I Mercado agree. Is I, the best bet right now. Yeah, I. It's still chugging along here. I'm really trying to get his outs above average. I just want to see sprint speed and all of that for Bradley Zimmer. But I agree with you. It's like Rosario would be, it'd be nice if they could get him there. Um, and especially because he's not, he's not that great defender at short. So maybe if he can be passable in center field. I mean, honestly, with the way this team's built, if he can be a league average bat and he can't cover center, left field is fine. Right field is fine. Uh, he, the, I talked about on the show or maybe no, I tweeted. It's like, and I think I talked about on the show, this team has been looking for outfield help every single year uh, at, through like 2017 In 2017. It was the only reason that outfield got to the average is because they signed Austin Jackson off the scrap heap and then traded for Jay Bruce. Uh, they need outfielders constantly. And this is a team, you know, Milky Cabrera filled in uh, for 2018. They, they have Domingo Santana uh, last year and no one's going to be worse than he was defensively. If Ahmad Rosario can play any of the three spots in the outfield, being a league average bat, which he is right now, it's an upgrade. And it's an upgrade for three years. And I mean, Jimenez is destroying the ball. You and I both love Arias down there. They have shortstops who defensively could definitely step up and be better than what they have. You know, I don't know. To me, Rosario let him pick an outfield spot and just go. Yeah, um, I, I, oh no, go ahead. I agree. I agree. No, I, I that's really, I, I'm sorry. You go, you can continue. No, no, I, you go. I was just going to move to the last outfield spot. So I didn't really have, a, I didn't have, a, okay. I didn't really have a real thought. I was just saying, I agree. Yeah. No, I just, it, outfield's bad. Rosario, good. <laughs> Very, you know, uh, long story short. Here's the thing, everyone. There's still another 19 minutes left in the bank from Pat and Mind's chat. Uh, eventually, I'll get better at cutting down the amount we discuss, or maybe you'll just keep letting them go double. Uh, either way, remember to follow Pat at tangible underscore Uno. Follow me at Jeff MLB draft. Uh, I have 41 capsules up for the draft. Well, they're not all up. I have them written. I will get them up uh, tomorrow. There is some time. It's okay. So it's a crazy busy week. The MLB draft has to fall on the week where it is my wife's 39th and my 40th birthday. Fun fact. Uh, the draft will fall on my 40th birthday this year so we're just trying to get some things together and that is slowing me down a bit but yeah 
Uh, draft content will be coming other places. I know last year I did like the entire week before the podcast on the draft. Uh, this year, you know, we just have so much to talk about the Indians that I'm kind of focused in there. Uh, but yeah, no, make sure to check out the stream. Make sure to check out my website, mlbdraftnow.blogspot.com. Check out Pat's uh, profile at tangible underscore uno. He has connections and links to all of his articles. And for the next year, maybe two, go tribe.